Hi friends, and welcome to the Be Nourished podcast, where we talk about the nourishing things in life, relationships, food, jobs, dreams, and everything in between. Today is a really full circle moment for me. I have my friend Leslie on the podcast. She and I have been um, friends for 23 years, almost 24 years. We've known each other since we were five, grew up together, inseparable, did everything together. Um, But then our senior year of high school, she went through something that really affected not only her life, but our friendship. So I do want to go ahead and warn you that we're talking about eating disorders today. If that's something that's triggering for you, or if you have littles in the car or anything like that, um, maybe skip this one or save it for later. Um, but I'm just super proud of Leslie. I think that she really does a good job of talking about what happened to her, but also how she recovered um, and how our friendship recovered as well. So hope that you learn a lot from this. Leslie um, is super willing to talk about it. I'll put her information in the show notes. But without further ado, here's Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy you're here. Me too. I'm so tickled pink that you asked me to to be interviewed. <laughs> it's so nice. It's really um it's it's really like a full circle moment. I feel like I took a minute earlier today just to kind of be like, wow. I don't know. It's crazy that we shared so much history and we've mm-hmm. known each other for 110 years. I've known you for 23 years. I know. I that's feel like I've nuts. known you. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, I've known you most most of my life, longer than I've not known you. I know. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's really crazy to think, and I think I think that's not as common as it used to be, maybe. And so, yeah, um, it's absolutely. really cool. It's really, really cool to have you here. And it's, I think, just our whole conversation today is a very full circle moment for me, and I'm sure for mm-hmm. you too. So it's just really, this one's really awesome for me. I, I've loved doing every interview, but this one is very special because it feels very full circle for sure. Oh, I know. I know. I do feel so, so honored to be, to be on your podcast. I've been listening to it. Um, ever since you've announced it, I thought, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I know this girl. And so I have right. just, I've loved every single minute of it. So well, listening to all your podcasts. So I'm just, I'm tickled to be a part of it. You're so truly. sweet. I love it. Well, I want you to tell a little bit about yourself. I, I'm going to tell the people um, kind of a little bit of our background, but I'd like for sure. you to jump in and just kind of introduce yourself. Okay. All right. Well, hello. I'm Leslie. <laughs> um, I currently live in uh, rural West Tennessee. Um, I am married, and I have a almost 10-month-old son. Oh. <laughs> I know. Tears. Um, he's getting so big. Um, I currently stay at home with my son. Um, I resigned from my job back in July of last year. I <laughs> to think about that for a second. <laughs> um, to stay at home with him. So that was that was my, what my husband and I decided to do. And um, I it's, it's been my favorite job thus far. So yeah. I stay at home with Max. Um, that's his name, by the way, Max. Um, yes, that, so that, that is the majority of my, um, of what I do. I also, um, I teach spin classes three days a week at the local gym. It's a new gym in town. Uh, they've opened Very up cool. and it's been, yeah, they've been the talk of the town because they're so huge <laughs> here in such a small town. So, um, so that's been great for me as well. Um, I'm originally from Nashville. 
Um, I actually grew up there. That's <laughs> where um, mm-hmm. Allison and I went to Lipscomb together. Woo woo! Gosh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I grew up there, and you know, life has found me here in West Tennessee. That's so. right. So, <laughs> Leslie and I have known each other, like I said, for 23 years. We, I don't know if we were in the same kindergarten class at school or if I, we just became friends on the playground. I'm really not sure. I, I can't don't, remember. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. But either way, we've been friends for a really long time and we did everything together um, growing up with our other friend, Sydney. Sydney has all, also been my friend for <laughs> 23 or 24 years. <laughs> a yeah. long, long, long time. Um, and so we did everything together all through high school and then senior year, Leslie kind of went through something that, um, changed the dynamic of our friendship a little bit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, um, I guess Leslie, I'll just let you kind of jump in and we'll kind of interweave. I think the main thing we want to talk about today is, um, well, I'll let Leslie say it, but I'm going to, I'm going to share my perspective, um, as kind of the friend trying to walk yes. with Leslie through this experience. And then Leslie is going to share her perspective as far as like actually living the experience. So jump in Leslie. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I would actually love to hear more about your uh, perspective of it. Um, cause I think it could really actually help a lot of people. Um, yeah, I have a friend who might be dealing with something like yeah. I'm about to tell you about. So let's, uh, maybe jump back here. It was probably the very end of 2008. So the end of that year. And I remember it distinctly. Um, so it was senior year of high school and, um, I had just fallen into a full blown eating disorder. And I remember when I was trying to take time to think about where all this began, I actually had to go back and look at pictures to like to pinpoint I did. I did. I had to go and figure out, okay, when exactly was this? Yeah. Um, and as I started looking, like those memories just came flooding back and, um, yeah. So it was, cause I remember it was around the holidays cause that's when I actually, was somewhat aware of my own behaviors. Um, so at the time I, what I was going through a lot in high school and of course being 17, 16, Mm -hmm. 15, I mean, even at that age, um, you know, so many emotional things going on, but I in particular, um, I came from a home who had, we had some, um, some really, (laughs) some really big issues going on at home. Um, I came from a home of substance abuse. So my parents both, um, they both used and it was on and off, on and off. And I can't tell you how many years uh, that that went on. I just remember it being more so on than it was ever off. And I can't even recall when it began just when I was really little. So that had been going on for years and years and years. And, um, and I say that and bring that up to say things had literally felt so out of control, um, in my life. And, um, I never knew how to really express what I was feeling or even really tell anybody or even felt like, Hey, is this okay that I I tell somebody that this is going on? Because I've always, um, 
been given the impression like, hey, we need to keep our home, like the stuff that's going on at home, uh, we need to keep this at home. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and that, that's just, that was how the family was. Um, You know, we we need to keep this at home. No, whatever happens here is nobody's business. So I was really like, I didn't know how to approach anybody, but I just knew all the time, like I needed something. I needed something. Everything felt literally like it was spinning out of control constantly. It was just like this huge up and down flow all the time. So a lot going on at home. Um, again, here we are senior year and I distinctly remember, um, a memory of my mom in the hospital and this was actually junior year. And I remember going through that. It was very scary. Um, she had a stroke and I remember going through that house and I remember you actually being there yeah for sure um and I I remember people kept saying like hey let's go get something to eat let's get this off our mind and at that time you know I was like man I really don't feel like getting anything to eat I'm just upset and I just don't want to eat right now Mm. so that wasn't really my disordered thinking or anything like that kicking in it was it was more like no I just I'm, I'm upset I just don't want anything to eat so so again that was the year before, but I remember that coming back in my mind when things felt shaken again and just really shaken. And I actually thought back to when I had the power to say, you know what? I don't want to eat because that felt so good. Mm -hmm. And and to me, and that might sound a little confusing, but where I was, everything in my life literally felt like it was spiraling out of control and I had no control over anything. It was like, I was in this little snow globe and people were just like walking around, looking at me in the window, just shaking it up every now and then, you know, setting Mm -hmm. it down and I didn't know how to handle it. But I do remember that one distinct moment where I was like, no, I I don't want to eat. Yeah. Well, I actually went back and I, that that's really and truly where it all started. Um, I was, I don't want to say it's, it was 100% about the control I had on that because it wasn't. And deep down, if I really think about it and go back to that time, um, it was about my weight and it, it was about my body image too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I struggled with my weight pretty much throughout my childhood up until high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a thing I didn't really pay too much attention to until right around this time. And when I started saying no to food, so it started with a control issue. And then when I started saying no to food, I saw this weight just, let just go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's interesting to think back in high school, did I ever even think about a healthy approach? Did I ever think like, Hey, I'm going to take this and start dieting and start exercising. And I don't know, it just, mm-hmm. it blurs together, but I never, I literally never thought of that at all it all started because I had the power to say no and to control this one thing Mm -hmm. and so it shifted from feeling like I was in control of it to hey I like where my weight's going oh wow I had a weight problem I don't like how I'm looking it just snapped because I honestly was I I knew I had a little extra weight but it never super bothered me I was never I really was just never bothered by my size, but all of a sudden I was, and I can't really explain how or why, but that's just how it was. It was just sudden. Um, so I struggled with this and I'd say through the thick of it, the end of 2008, 
all the way into August of 2009, and that was after we graduated. Yeah. Um, but I, telling you, I lost about 80 pounds within four and a half to five months. Yeah. And I remember I, that. <laughs> girl, it was just, and it's interesting because I literally thought I was fooling everybody. Mm-hmm. I thought I was fooling everybody. Like, nobody knew what I was going through people might have like had questions or been a little concerned but I thought I was fooling everybody I um I would just I was obsessed with it it was the one thing I was completely and totally obsessed with um and I remember distinctly how much it really just robbed me of so much of my senior year and I'm you know I'm not mad about it anymore, but I thought, (laughs) I think back about it, and I just got so mad. I'm like, I let my eating disorder control that part of my life. That should have been, like, the highlight Mm -hmm. of teenage years, your high school senior year, and I literally held behind, and it, well, not held, I'm sorry, I hid behind my eating disorder. Um, I would isolate myself. Mm -hmm. I really just I didn't want to be a part of social gatherings because most of the time they included food and food was a sign of oh Leslie you're gonna lose yourself if you if you take in this food if you eat this food you're gonna gain weight and that that is that is all that was on my mind is I have to eat this many number of calories to maintain a certain weight and it just controlled me it wasn't anything I wanted I literally didn't want to be this way I remember thinking every day being home and just thinking I just don't want to do this anymore this is so miserable I'm so tired of counting calories I would say that as I was on my phone calculating how many calories I had and um, that's what I did I was just obsessed with it um well and I'll jump in here too because I remember yeah I remember so it sounds to me like and I don't think I knew this before it sounds to me like that time with your mom in the hospital might have been kind of the switch that flipped for you um Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting that you say that we were never I mean I don't remember ever really being aware of my size either I'm sure there were moments where I was like oh you know I don't I can't wear the things that other girls wear but I mean as mentioned we would get like chili cheese fries and we would go get (laughs) like fried macaroni and cheese balls and we we were just kids like we just never really thought much about it um but I I do I remember being in the hospital with you when your mom was really sick and I remember them saying like she's not doing well I remember all of that and then I remember the next thing that I can freshly recall because to be honest I don't remember a lot of senior year and I'm thinking about it right now, like, what did I do? Like, I know I had other friends at church, but I'm like, oh, who did I spend time with? I don't even know. Maybe that's why I can't really remember. But um, I remember, you mentioned the counting the calories thing. I And I've told you this before, but I remember yeah. coming into school <clears throat> in the morning and walking past your car and um, seeing you counting calories on your phone in the morning. And I, I remember thinking, like, how could, how could she have really even eaten anything at this point? For her mm-hmm. to be, like, counting her calories. And I don't know, you may have been, like, trying to calculate the days, whatever. But I just remember thinking, like, how could she have even eaten anything that she's doing this? And it's so interesting, too, that you made the point that you felt like you were, you know, kind of fooling everybody. Nobody knew. I remember people coming up to me and saying things like, is Leslie okay? Like, she just seems... Not even that she seems like she's lost a lot of weight. It was more of, like, she doesn't seem like herself. She doesn't seem... She's not really talking to to us or to anybody like is she okay and I would just be like I don't know I don't know if she's yeah. okay 
And I think you'll probably touch on this later, but I think eating disorders are so isolating because they are such an obsession and it is such a mind thing that it's very difficult to be intimate with people when you have an eating disorder. At least that's how it seems. Oh, absolutely. It was, and I, you know, I don't think at that time, if I'm being 100% honest, there was nobody who could be close to me because I didn't want to be close to anybody because they would know my secret and that that they knew what I was doing. And it's like, if somebody else knew I was caught, Yeah, I couldn't get away with it anymore. And I did. I just, it was, oh my gosh. I just remember feeling so lonely one day laying on, laying on the couch, looking up, thinking, I am miserable. I'm starving. I'm so hungry. I had no energy. As I was sitting here, like I said, calculating, you know, the grapes or the cereal that I ate in the morning or feeling guilty about, oh my gosh, why did I eat half of that cookie last night? I would beat myself up over it. And those emotions were so real. Yeah. And that seems so, anyone in a, I guess, a healthy mindset about eating might say, you know, well, that is so silly. But in that moment, anyone with anorexia, it is such a real feeling yeah. to feel that guilt and to feel that, um, just that emotion that comes with failing because you ate half a cookie. Um, so yeah, it, it was, um, and, and you know, hearing you say that, hearing you say, um, people came to you and it wasn't even anything about my eating. It was about how I was acting. Yeah. That... I didn't, I didn't even realize that until you just said that because, um, honestly, I think what would have helped me the most, I know some people were super cautious about approaching me and some people did approach me, but it was just in probably the worst way possible. But I think if someone would have approached me and actually maybe not even made it about eating not even made it about my weight, but came to me and said, Hey, I've noticed, you know, you're acting different or I've noticed, you know, you're, I don't know, just something about something, just not even about my weight or not even about food. I might've been like, Oh, you know, been a little bit more apt to open up Mm -hmm. because it was the moments that people attacked me about my weight about me losing weight, about what I was eating or what I was not eating is when I was like, I'm just going to shut the door on you and I'm just going to lock it. And if you say something else, I'm just going to continue to like step back and push you away because I didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but hearing, I don't know, hearing you say that just made me think, um, hmm, yeah. I think that definitely would have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I yeah. think... I think as your friend, I felt very confused. And I think I remember feeling mad just because I was like, Leslie, we have been through everything together. Why is it that you're now deciding to push me away? And there was so much I didn't understand. I mean, we were 17. So there was a lot of things that I couldn't understand about it that I understand now. And I think I always knew there was something going on with your family, but I I wasn't ever sure what. And so I knew that that was a component um, but yeah. I, I just remember feeling, and I think, I think back, like, why didn't I say more to her? Why didn't I approach her in that way? You know, why didn't I say like, are you okay? What's wrong? Like why, you know, I think a lot of it was that I was mad. Honestly, I think I was mad yeah. about like, 
Not, I don't even know if I was mad at you. I think I was just mad. Like, why is this happening now? What is going on? Why is this happening? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. It doesn't seem like she wants me to talk to her. And I think that's an important component of this as well. Um, just kind of interweaving our stories is like you having it and then me being your friend. I think it appears sometimes when people are struggling, whether it's with an eating disorder or not, people are very good at acting like they're okay. And people are very good at acting like they don't need anything. And oh, that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that that's true. And I think it's very easy to just be like, okay, that person's probably fine. They're acting like they don't care and they don't need me and they don't want me. So like, peace out. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's hard to yeah. break through that, you know, and if you don't have a relationship with someone, you know, that could be very tricky. But I think I think the reason I didn't try harder at times was because I was like, well, it seems like she doesn't want it so I'm just not gonna try you know yeah no absolutely and you know when you think back on it or when I think back on it now and you said you're just mad about the situation and you were mad not really at me but just what was going on and you were just confused it's funny because I felt the same way just differently and the fact that I can't even recall, did I even, like, mention anything to her or say <laughs> anything about what's going on? I honestly can't remember. I, yeah. I cannot remember that. I don't either. Because I, I just, I didn't know how to handle that big emotion for where I was in my life. I yeah. mean, we're talking about maturity-wise. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and then so many different aspects there. I just, I didn't know how, and... um yeah, no, I can only imagine being in your shoes trying to help me. I just, it's like I didn't want it. I was going to make everybody think I was fine because I didn't. Yeah, at the same time, though, I was, like, crying from the outside. Yeah. I, I was just like, I just need some help, and I don't want anybody to help me. I don't know how yeah. that makes sense, but that's how I felt. I'm just, and maybe it's just the person I am. I just knew something's wrong. And, and I want to fix it and yeah. I don't want anybody's help, No, yeah. And, but that's really not, you know, not necessarily what I, I needed. Um, yeah. but being that age and where I was, nobody knew what I needed and nobody knew how to help. Well, and honestly, you know, I think too, part of it is I began to feel like maybe I should be losing some weight. Maybe I should, like, I remember thinking maybe I need to start counting yeah. my calories. Like, maybe maybe <clears throat> this is a good thing that she's doing. Like, maybe this is something that I need to be getting into, too. And I think, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's really um, powerful what you said about I needed help and I didn't know how to get help and I also didn't want help. I think you were kind of left to fend for yourself in a lot of ways, and I remember those ways. And I think as a teenager... Um, if you lose 80 pounds in four months, like, I don't know. It makes me just kind of sad to think, and I'm not trying to disrespect your parents, but I think in some way it's like, how did your parents not step in? How did they not say something? And maybe they did, you know, how did they not stop you? How did they not intercede? And I think sometimes that just points back to the root of the issue. A lot of times with people Mm -hmm. with eating disorders, it's not so much about the eating disorder as it is about the thing underneath it. And I think so much of what contributed to this situation for you was what you were experiencing at home. And I think that's an important point because I work with a lot of, a lot of kids and Mm -hmm. some of them do have eating disorders. And I think so much of it is like parents just kind of want to think that it's not happening or it's not 
real, yes. or, you know, and, yes. and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, it is. Or they think they're making it up or they're being dramatic. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's a So that's a very, that is a very real thing because at the time when I was going through all this, I was actually living with my grandparents' house, at my grandparents' house at the time. And believe it or not, not one single family member actually approached me about it ever. Wow. Not my parent. My parents didn't even notice. They didn't even, well, we were in a weird place. I saw them, but I didn't spend a ton of time with them. But I just always, and I guess maybe that is why, because nobody actually said anything, that maybe that's why I thought, like, I'm fooling everybody, nobody. Because even the people who are supposedly closest to me aren't even saying anything. Mm. My grandparents didn't even say anything to me. In fact, and I'm not saying this to say, like, oh, my gosh, how could they not? But... I think that they did not want to think that about me, so they didn't let their minds go there. I 100% believe that. Yeah. Um, Which I think, I mean, and I understand why parents do that. I get that. They don't want to think about their child suffering, so they just don't think about it. mm -hmm. But it only reinforces the belief that you have that nobody cares, nobody notices, and... I'm on my own and I have to figure this out on my own. And I think that's why, you know, it's, I don't know if any parents are listening. It's like, talk to your kids, (laughs) say something. No, you're, you're so right. You're, (laughs) you know, and thinking back on that, that, that is exactly how I felt. If nobody was going to notice, then, you know, and that sounds like a little bit of an immature thing to say, but if no one's going to notice why I'm just going to have to do this on my own, I'm, I'm not going to ask anybody for help because clearly mm-hmm. nobody sees this as a thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, I, but you are definitely on to something there. Yeah. Um, and I distinctly remember people too, <laughs> and going to church at the time, you know, people there would notice, but again, nobody would say anything to me. In fact, they would actually tell me, um, they would notice and like clap their hands and commend me and pat me on the back for losing weight. Mm. And I've always had a couple of people in my life, you know, make comments about my weight or even joke about it. Um, and I don't think people realize how harmful those comments are. Yeah. But aside from that, in that season of my life, when I was going through all of that, it was pretty much, telling me when someone looked at me and said wow Leslie like you were looking so great and you were losing weight keep it up girl you were just you're doing fantastic Mm -hmm. when really what that translated to me was oh my gosh I cannot stop this if I stop if I start eating again like a normal person I said that to myself over and over time Mm -hmm. like a normal person but anyways I'll get back to that later um, then I'm going to regain all this weight and all these people are going to be disappointed in me. So mm-hmm. people not saying anything and people actually encouraging it was actually egging on my eating disorder. And it was yeah. giving that eating disorder power to continue to run my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I don't think people meant it that way. Cause I guarantee you if they would have known, Oh gosh, saying this is, you know, it, it's, super harmful to Leslie, they would have never done it. So right. I, I think their intention was well, but um, it, it absolutely played a huge part um, yeah. in me continuing on. Yeah. Well, and I can totally see that. I mean, I think <clears throat> I think you're right. People don't mean to be harmful, but it just goes back to 
knowing people and knowing about their life and actually asking about what's going on and if they're okay. Because if you see someone drastically losing weight, like chances are something is going on, (laughs) you know, like it, I don't know. And I think so much of our culture is wrapped up in appearances and how you look. And that's why I think eating disorders are so damaging on so many levels because you do get positively reinforced in a lot of ways. And so it just kind of makes you want to keep doing it, even though you feel trapped in your own body, but it feels Mm -hmm. like, you know, this is what I have to keep doing in order to make other people happy, you know, and it's just so, oh, it's so damaging. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And, you know, I would obsessively try on clothes that were smaller and smaller and smaller. It's like I couldn't get any smaller, and it felt so good to get in those. And I'm just, I'm telling you, there were just so many things. It was, it was everything between like social media, just and not you know, not that it was like huge right. <laughs> at that point <laughs> in our lives. But I remember even looking at like TV, looking at magazines, looking at just even the models in the stores. You know those little. Yeah. I don't know what you call it, mannequins. Like, are those things even real? I mean, not yeah. like real. But those are not. No one's shaped like that. But I remember in my mind thinking, like, I can look like that. Like, I've got to look like that. That's going to feel so good to look like that. Mm. And that was another thing that just continued to continue to push me to where I was. Um, again, just upset. That was literally the only thing in my life that mattered. Mm was my size, was being able to be small, the only thing, the only thing that mattered. Um, and that is just real raw (laughs) honesty. Yeah. Um, I just remember waking up immediately upon waking up. I just wanted to get through the day so I could be a certain size and then just end the day. That Mm -hmm. was my day. I mean, it was, there was no enjoyment. There was no fulfillment. There was no, anything I looked forward to. In fact, I dreaded the day. Mm. I just dreaded the day because I knew I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be hungry. Um, I just want to get through this day so I can make it to another day. I was just merely existing. Yeah. And, um, I just, Oh, it was so miserable. It was so miserable. It was at that point in my life, the lowest I'd ever felt. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror, (laughs) thinking that thinking, can I really get down? get my weight down anymore and feel better mm-hmm. and I don't know it was just also confusing to me I felt these things but I was not aware of them at the time yeah for sure well yeah and like you said things around you were pretty crazy too so it wasn't like you know if that's the only thing you're that's keeping you afloat right I talk about a lot of different things in therapy as being a life jacket and I think as as hard as it was and as uh, suffocating as it was, I think this eating disorder was a little bit of a life jacket for you during a very tumultuous time. You know, you're, everything mm-hmm. externally was very crazy. And so um, life jackets aren't always necessarily the best things. But I, I think, you know, it's like what you're saying. It's not as easy as just deciding to quit because there were so many ways that it was kind of keeping you sane, you know. And I think that's hard yeah. for people. It feels weird to say that. But in some ways, it's true. Like, Things were so crazy for you that you had to have something. And even though this was not a healthy way to hold on to something, you know, it's what you had at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, absolutely. It really was. It really was because I will say that eating disorder, the first thought I had in my mind of, I just don't want to do this anymore. 
literally just one day I saw it. I was like, okay, I had control over this one thing that was controlling my entire life. And I was actually the one doing it, making these decisions. And I remember thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. I really don't. And that was the turning point for me. That's when I saw it. I'm so miserable. I'm tired of being miserable. I'm tired of being unhappy and I'm tired of hiding Yeah. and I'm ready to do something about it. So take us through, cause it was all through senior year and then we graduated high school. Yes. Tell us a little yes. bit about, was that when you had that moment of like, I'm done with this, which we'll talk about how obviously it took more than just that day <laughs> to recover. <laughs> but, um, yes. tell yes. us about that. Okay. So, um, so we graduated and all that, and and I remember at the time it felt like a relief because I thought, okay, good, I can just like put this season behind me, like I'm just ready to move on. And I went to college, and so of course we had the summer before I went to college, and during that summer is really where that turning point went for me, because psychologically I knew I don't want to be like this anymore, and I've got to work on being better. Um, and so over the summer, I, I honestly never opened up to anybody about it mm-hmm. um, until I was ready to. Um, and I, it wasn't any of my closest friends that I ever opened up and said, yeah, you know what? I've actually been str- struggling with this eating disorder and I'm trying to get better about it. It was to this, <laughs> she's not random, but she was a coworker I worked with at the pool that mm-hmm. summer. And, um, I remember her talking and it is actually, I was watching her behavior around food. I was watching, um, just some of the attitudes she had, the things she said, and it, it concerned me cause it reminded me of myself just mm-hmm. a month ago, you know, or still even still. And that was when that moment I had like a connection with her. And so I opened up to her about it, even though we knew each other for maybe like a month, mm-hmm. I just felt connected with her. And so cause we could relate to each other. So we started talking about it. Um, and, and hearing her actually talk about it and what she said, it kind of made me realize and look on the outside, like, man, this is Leslie. Like it just little things like that just really hit me. Like, this is an issue. I want to fix it. And I want to help other people because this is miserable and I'm not going to let this rob my joy ever and you know I during that summer I um followed this blog and it helped me tremendously get through the summer Mm -hmm. and be so much better for college in the fall and um it was all the people who were supporting each other talking about their feelings what they thought like a victory they had in their day to fight their eating disorder but the thing was is it was these people who had decided hey, I'm ready to make a change, and this is my journey. And it was kind of a forum where we could all talk about it because mm-hmm. um, it was with strangers, um, yeah. and, and that's what I loved about it. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was where it really all began because um, once I made that decision, I don't want to be like this anymore, then I actively sought out, okay, I need some support. I need some resources, um, and I looked for those, and, and, and that's where I went. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, and I think that's the most powerful part of your story is that eating disorders look different for everybody and everybody's way out looks different. Uh Um, but I think it's so powerful that you, 
Because I think this ultimately comes down to what we all are capable of doing. We all have power and control um, over our decisions about how we're going to feel about something. And I think some days it feels like that's not true. And I've had to learn the discipline of that this last year specifically because it, it, for a lot of my life it did not feel true that I could control how I felt. Um, <laughs> but I think it's so important that you said, like, I made the decision that I didn't want to do this anymore because that's a very scary decision. Like, I, if it, anybody listening, I challenge you to put yourself in that position of, like, your life is nuts and you hold on to this thing that makes you feel like you have some say in your own life and it happens to be destroying you, but at least you have some control. And then one day you wake up and you decide, I'm, I'm tired of this. I want to put this down. But it doesn't mean that anything in your life has necessarily changed. I mean, things might yes. still be completely chaotic. And yet, you made the decision that you wanted to put down the one thing that you had been like having control in. That's very scary. That's not easy. That's very hard. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. why a lot of people don't do it. And this is true for any alcohol, drugs, anything. I mean... Anything like that. Or even the littler things that people don't talk about, um, you know, as much as alcohol or drugs or eating disorders or whatever. But I just, that's that's a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal that you were like, no, I'm tired of this. I want to live a different life. I think that's that's really, imp- that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, in that moment, I remember <laughs> thinking, like, I don't want to do this anymore, and this is going to be really hard. Yeah. But I think, too, that it's actually easy to suffer. It's easy, just like you yeah. said, it's easy just to continue suffering with whatever you're suffering suffering with, whether it's, you know, for me, it was my eating disorder. I could have just kept going on and on and on, but that is some serious, yeah. <laughs> serious suffering. Rather than I would just, like I said, like put on or just decide, hey, you know, I want to make when I make a change, that's where the hard work comes in. But it's so much more rewarding and so much more fulfilling than just merely suffering. Yeah. Um, True. And that's what I long for. And, and I wanted it to, you know, um, I just wanted it so bad. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I had gone to college. And um, I remember instantly I just felt like a new person with this new attitude. I just really spent those two two and a half months really working on that attitude um, and, de- and just kind of like developing and growing that summer. Um, and, and still early on in my journey, I still had moments where I thought a little bit too much about food. and But then moments where I was like, well, you know what? I'm actually, you know, I'm enjoying this time with my friends. I'm eating food and we're together. I'm having cookies and I'm not thinking a thing about it. So it really ebbed and flowed. Yeah. Um, I'd say through those years. Um, Did you find, I mean, I'm curious as to like, how, so for me, I know, I think, okay, <laughs> I think every girl can have disordered thinking to a degree. You can have yeah. disordered thinking without necessarily having an eating disorder. Um, and I have definitely had moments where I'm like, well, I need to work out if I'm going to eat Mexican food tonight, or I need to go mm-hmm. walk around the block if I'm going to eat this cookie, you know? And I think, so I'm curious, like, did you just start eating more and then practice telling yourself it's okay? Or how did you go about that? So what I would do, um, I did. I gradually try. I just, I let go of those unrealistic ideas of food and I gradually started eating more. And so from there I made my friends and, um, 
I was enjoying being around them, enjoying, you know, going to dinner together and just um, having all those things I'd never had senior year because literally I would avoid them. Yeah. Um, avoided everything that had to do with food. Um, and I was enjoying them again, and it felt so great. Um, so my mind slowly was getting was getting better. I mean, my faith was being strengthened, too, uh, and just mm-hmm. I was learning. I was growing. I was experiencing all those things you just didn't experience in college, and it was just all of that was so good for me, and all the experience I was having, it was so new and so fun that it almost distracted me from um, – and, you know, I don't want to say distracted me from um, my behaviors, the attitudes I had about food, but it just kind of, mm-hmm. it, it made me think like, man, I've really missed this. I've yeah. really missed enjoying being around people and enjoying food. And I, I just, I really enjoy having this full fat latte with this yeah. non-sugar-free syrup and not feeling guilty about it. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say I didn't because I really did ebb and flow with that. I really did. Um, I'd have, I'd have really good days, good weeks. And then I'd have days where I would, you know, I would, like you said, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta go to the gym. We're eating Mexican today. Or I know I've got to have like three servings of dessert. So I didn't go without fail. It definitely was a work in progress. And it was, um, it was a lot of, I guess what you could say, one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> so that's really what it looked like for me. Well, and I think, um, too, this is an important point because I think a lot of times people pendulum swing to the opposite end where they say, like, I'm free, I can eat, you know, like, I don't want to... They're so scared of having an eating disorder again or they're so scared of disordered thinking that they almost go to the other extreme of, like, I can eat anything and it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. And, and that's, I would like to argue that that's also disordered thinking. You know, I think, <laughs> I think that overeating, um, without discipline is also disordered thinking. It just doesn't look that yeah. way. And I think people don't say that because it's not like, it's not the traditional quote, traditional disordered thinking, but I still think that that's not a healthy way to approach food. And I think yeah. a lot of people who suffer from eating disorders, can um sometimes go to that extreme not always but you know I think sometimes it can mm-hmm. kind of pendulum the other way oh yeah absolutely I agree and <laughs> you know now that you when you mentioned that anorexia was really not the only thing I struggled with um I even though the anorexic behavior was away I still had the disorder like disordered thinking yeah and behaviors and attitudes about food Um, so I wasn't in the thick of it where I was isolating myself and, you know, and all of that, like it was within those probably eight months through high school. Um, but I did still have some disorder thinking about food. Um, and I would actually just, um, have some days where I would, I would binge eat and then I would purge. Yeah. And I remember feeling so good eating and just eating and eating and eating some more. And I, I know that's not really what you were talking about, but it just reminded me of, yeah. hey, this was a thing I did too. For sure. <laughs> um, you were talking about a different kind of, you know, eating too much. But, um, well, but, but it's, I did. It's, I, you know, it's a good point because I think, I think I just want people to know more than anything that, like, it is extremely complex to have an eating disorder. And it is not as easy as just quitting or, um, oh, for sure. you know, just, just do something different or why can't you just eat? Like, why is this such a big deal? It's so complicated and you're literally changing the neuropathways in your brain when you 
when you do treat your brain that way, you're creating a new neural pathway. And so in order to change your behaviors, you have to create another neural pathway in your brain. And you're literally changing the physicality of your brain. And so it's not as simple as just quitting. Um, it takes a lot. It's very complex. And so I think it makes sense to me that you kind of ebbed and flowed a lot. And I know even you've mentioned to me before um, just the physicality part of it. You know, you mentioned to me once before that you gained back a lot of weight because your body thought it was starving. And so then it was yeah. like, we have to hold on to this weight just in case we starve again, you know? Yes, yes. And that's exactly what, that is exactly what happened. I, um, for a while, I, you know, when I decided like my, my mentality was better, it was my body that needed some serious work because it was still so damaged from where I just started, um, so bad. So, um, back to that website I had actually gone to for support. Mm -hmm. Um, I went back to that (laughs) the summer before I graduated college. Um, and I really wanted to know like, Hey, how did I get my body better? Cause everything. And that was another thing that really encouraged me to eat. So quote unquote healthy the way I did. It's like I used it as an excuse because I would say, Oh, this food bothers my body. Oh, well this food, it upsets my stomach. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to go gluten free because the gluten just, you know, yeah. whatever, or, you know, I'm not actually eating that. I don't do fast food. I would use those excuses and they weren't really excuses. Um, but, but I would use them as them because yeah. they legit did bother my body. But I remember kind of feeling that power from that excuse, Yeah. being able to say, well, it bothers me. So I'm just going to cut it out. Ooh, man, that feels great. I can cut out fast food. I've got an excuse mm-hmm. when really that is still disordered thinking. Yeah. That's not healthy Absolutely. to think that way. And, um, yeah, I did. I went back and I, I want to say the approach um, that I use, it's called like the mini mod. And that's mini with M I N N I E. The mini mod method. I don't know if you're familiar with that. With no. The, I mean, if it, well, anyways. So um, what I did is I ate to basically my hunger cues, and they encourage you to do that. They encourage you not to exercise or anything like that. So I did. I just started eating like a normal person. And when I started eating like a quote unquote, normal person yeah nothing was off the table Leslie gluten-free shenanigans like throw it away <laughs> you're not allergic to gluten we ain't talking about celiac right. you know I hate, I hate everything <laughs> when I when I did it was like my appetite was on fire mm. in my body and, and it's and they warn you about this too they say just so you know your appetite is really going to kick in because you're trying to repair a lot of damage done to your body yeah you know you're trying to repair your intestines your organs that we're really taking a beating off of uh, not eating for so long. Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, that, that, that feeling was very real being able to just, Oh my gosh, I just can't get enough food. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a thing. It wasn't more like a behavior, or like an unhealthy attitude, like, well, I can eat whatever I want, but it was really like my body needs this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I, I did, I did put on some weight again. Um, and then actually, and you know, during the support website, they'll say, don't freak out. If you gain weight, gaining weight is okay and it is encouraged yeah. and it needs to happen for your body to get better. But then there was this point where I stopped gaining weight. I don't say gain weight. I don't mean it in like an unhealthy, like, oh my gosh, like so much weight. I just gained weight. Yeah. I just want to leave it at that. So I just gained weight. And then eventually my body got to a point where I stopped gaining weight and actually 
it let go of some of the weight because you're right. <laughs> what I said earlier, it was like my body wanted to hold on to that. It wanted to hold on to everything mm-hmm. because I had abused it so much in the past and it didn't really trust me. Yeah. My body didn't trust itself to, you know, hey, she's going to feed me again. Yeah. <laughs> because I hadn't in the past, so it did it, held on to it. But then after a while, I dropped some weight, wasn't doing anything, no intense exercise. It was just my body doing what it was designed to do. Um, And it was just such an amazing and such a, uh, it was such a restorative thing in so many ways to be able to put faith in my body again. And that aspect right there, experiencing all of that, it really made me have faith in just healthier attitudes and behaviors towards food towards exercise and mm-hmm. anything like that yeah. um and how long do you think I mean that was years right that took like it wasn't like a oh it did yeah um so I didn't actually start I'd say throughout mm-hmm. college is when I had the whole like oh I gotta be gluten-free because you know this is my body can't take it and mm-hmm. I'm just so sensitive to this so I called shenanigans on myself <laughs> probably 2013 that summer so we're going from like 2009 to so four years right there and then I decided okay I need to do this and I would say it took me when I started in 2013 it took me about a year for my body to get back to normal yeah um and it seems like a long time but I did not fortunately struggle with the anorexia like I did in high school, I didn't struggle with that for as long as a lot of people do. Yeah. Fortunately, mine was really only eight or nine months in that time. And some people literally struggle years. I mean, so many years. And Mm -hmm. so that recovery time might look different for everybody. But for me, when I started eating again, um, and getting my body back healthy, it took about a year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but tell us again, because I know there were a couple ways that people approached you during this time that were super not helpful. So uh, talk to us a little bit about that. So people didn't know how to um, really talk to me about it, how to approach me about it, but they would more so attack me, and yeah. that's how it felt. They would literally have people yell at me. They, they would, um, and it was some friends that would say, what are you doing? This is stupid you have to eat, you just need to eat, um, and I remember thinking, like, well, this is not helping at all, like, again, let me just shut that door, I'm going to continue to lock, you know, the deadbolts here, and add a couple while I'm at it, because you're not getting it, I mean, it just, it was so not helpful, it was super hurtful, and in fact, I think in some ways, it made my eating disorder a little worse, um, and so, <laughs> yes, yelling at me. And again, I'm mentioning, like, commending me on the weight loss. That was mm. unknowingly on their part super not helpful. Yeah. Um, well, and silence. I think a big a big thing, too, is, like, so many of your key people didn't say anything. They didn't say a word Nothing to me. Nothing at all. No. Oh, um, gosh. I know. And it's and, hard, uh, you know. It's so hard as a parent, like, it's not, you know, we've said this before, but it's not to discredit, like, it's so hard to see your kids suffer, and it's hard to know what's going on, and, you know, when you put up a front of, like, I'm good, people want to believe that, they want to believe that everything is fine, and nothing is falling apart, and we're all good, and, 
I don't know. Yeah. But, but and, and another part too, like a major part of my life is I was always put in that position where I was the one to fix everything and to make everything okay. Yeah. So I could not be the broken one. I yeah. had to be okay. For sure. Whether I believed it or not, I had to be okay. Yeah. And um, and that that is huge. So I just, I mean, anyone who feels like that, it is such a difficult place to be. It is such a, it feels like such a prison because in your life, there are going to be times where you're just not okay and you can't hold yourself together, nor can you hold up everyone else around you. And yeah. It's okay to say that, and it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. And, man, I just, knowing what I know now, like seeing myself, my almost 30-year-old self now, looking back on that, I can see it. But in the moment, um, I did not, and I fully believed I had to keep it together. For sure, absolutely. So what would you say, two things, what would you say to someone who's suffering and what would you say to someone who's watching someone they love suffer? So to I'm going to I'm going to talk to the person, the friend who might have a friend who's suffering or who's watching somebody suffer. Mm-hmm. And I would say <laughs> don't be afraid to approach them um because I think speaking up is better than not saying anything at all because when you don't say something you that person may feel unnoticed but also be prepared um Mm -hmm. be prepared in many ways first for backlash when you do approach them because it may go it may go well they may thank you like oh my gosh I'm just I'm so thankful someone just noticed I've been screaming but they also may get super defensive and they may not take it well at all um but also prepare before you approach the person um I would just encourage anyone to whatever they want to say write it out say it out loud how you would say it to the person to see how it sounds because sometimes it's not necessarily what you say (laughs) it is how you say it yeah and sometimes it's what you um which you don't need to say. Right. (laughs) And what I mean by that, um, you, it was never helpful for me when people attacked me, um, or when they said things to me that made it about them. Like Mm -hmm. if someone said to me, you are worrying me, how could you do this to me? I had a couple people say that you're making this really difficult for me. And they mean well, what? <laughs> because I'm, I know I did worry them, but at the same time, they made it about them, and that made me feel, that just made me get even more defensive. Yeah. So, so yes, just, just practice what you say, write it out, let it be with love, support, and understanding, and encouragement, and, and try to meet them where they're at. Really mm-hmm. try to go in with an unjudgmental tone. Um, and, and to accept that you're not going to understand what they're going through. And yeah. then it's not just as easy as, as just eating again or just yeah. taking a bite or just have a meal. It, it's really, it is really not that easy to that person. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, but definitely, you know, you may be hesitant about it, but just, absolutely approach them just do your research first um there's so many great resources online um you know credible resources 
that you can that you can go to and kind of learn about an eating disorder what's it about what are they thinking what are they feeling so you kind of know um, and are prepared to approach that person yeah Um, because that is such a difficult place to be in is um, I guess to be an Allison's position trying to help a Leslie yeah well and I would add to that um, you know the people who appear like they don't need any friends are the people who need the friends and I think I was confused and I was hurt and I didn't know what to do, but I think persisting, trying your hardest to stay with that person, walking with them through, you know, some of the lowest times of their lives and just asking just, and I think a lot of it goes to like not putting it on yourself, right? Like I would look at myself thinking, do I need to count my calories and why is she mad at me and how could she do this to our friendship? You know, but try not to make it about you. Yeah, try not to make it about you because at the end of the day, like, we don't always know what people are walking through. We often don't know what people are walking through. Even sometimes the people that we see on a daily basis, we don't always know what they're experiencing. And so making it about you is usually not helpful. And so just try to persist, but I agree. Like, do your research, ask for help, talk to people, don't go in blind, and definitely don't go in yelling. That makes no sense. (laughs) Jeez Louise. (laughs) Okay, so what would you say to the one who is suffering? You know, I actually, I figured you would ask me this, and I had to really think about this question, because I had to go back and think, what would I have wanted somebody to say to me? Um, So this was a difficult question, but I think it's a very, very, very important question. Um, And what I would say to that person, going through an eating disorder, you know, you deserve, and you are allowed to live happily Mm. and to live fully. Um, And to live a life where your eating disorder doesn't sabotage everything. Um, Mm. You are in control of your life, and it's not your eating disorder that is. Um, And that... You are loved, you are supported, and you are encouraged, and and I just want to keep it that simple, yeah. um, because sometimes fewer words. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, are just, are just better, but. Ugh, Leslie, I'm so freaking proud of you. I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm just so proud. I think that you've, you're so resilient, and not because you're tough, but because you persist, and I think that's more powerful than just being tough all the time. You know, resiliency can look like a lot of things, but you've really had to bounce back from some hefty doozies. And uh, I'm just really proud of you. I'm proud to be your friend. I'm proud to know you. I think you've done something amazing with your life. And I'm so honored that you would tell your story. Um, I think you're going to help a lot of people. And I, I I love this. I love getting to let people know, you know, your story and what you've been through. And I'm just so thankful that you were willing to share. Oh, thank you. I'm, again, I'm so honored that you asked. I have learned, and I feel like I haven't even gotten to, uh, you know, share like everything I've learned. But it, absolutely, I would just, I would love to help and to reach out to anybody who is struggling. Um, anything I can do, a word, or just, you know, give you some truth, yeah. <laughs> speak some truth into you, and you know, and love and some support and absolute understanding. I, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell us where we can find you. Where can people find you if they want to reach out? 
okay. So <laughs> I am on a I'm on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook if you want to add me. Uh, it's Leslie Ann's, uh, but I'm also on Instagram. Um, I'm at Leslie Ann's nine zero. Okay. If you want to find me. That's yes. right. And I will put that in the show notes so if anybody wants to access that for sure that can click on it there. Sure, sure. Very cool. Well, we always ask at the end of the podcast, um, what is nourishing you now? Oh, me. Okay, yes. So two things. I have really been diving into some excellent books lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my um yes, yes. So, um in the morning I wake up a little bit early before my son and I sit down with my book and my coffee and I read and um they're just good personal growth books. Um that I'm reading and I'm I'm super loving them right now. I'm super big on a on the Donald Miller kick right now. Yes. I just love his writing. <laughs> He's good. Um so there's that and then there's also I um mentioned earlier I teach spin classes three days a week here at the gym that has done so much for me right now it yeah. is so nourishing in every way because as a stay-at-home mother sometimes you crave you know I'm not, I'm not gonna speak on all on behalf of all I'm gonna speak on behalf of me I've been craving just to have a little bit of something yes. to be a part of again like a community um, some way I can give back, something to just call my own, and that's what my class is to me. It is just my own, where I can go, I can show my talent, I can help other people, um, and, and just be around others, talk yeah, to people. For real. It's just Adults. Been so, <laughs> it's so nourishing to my soul. I just it pumps me up. Yes. When I, I mean. Uh, I right. love that. Clearly, I'm passionate about it. I just love it so much. That's amazing. <laughs> No, I think you're right. I think it's, I have so much respect for stay-at-home moms because it's got to be tough to be at home with a baby all day and you're like, the only other adult you talk to is like your spouse, you know, when they get home from work or whatever and you're just like, (laughs) I need some adults. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that. Would it was be really a transition. Hard. It was a transition for sure. Yeah, but um, it, it took a while to kind of settle into my, you know, my nook here. But you know, we got there. We're yeah. still working daily. So, but yes, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, Leslie, you're a gem. Aww. You're the best. I got you, Al. <laughs> I'm so glad you were here today. Oh, thank you for asking me to be a part of. I really am truly honored. I am so proud of Leslie for sharing her story today, for how far she's come, for what she's made of her life. She's really turned around something that could have been um, devastating and could have been a lifelong disease, but she's really come a long way with that and I'm so proud of her I'm so proud to know her it's so fun to watch her with her son Um, he's amazing so cute so um, Leslie said she'd be willing to chat with anybody who needed anything or had questions or wanted to talk about this I do want to encourage you if you do have an eating disorder or know someone who does please seek professional help Um, while Leslie and I can discuss certain things at the end of the day professional help is really the way to go so again her name is Leslie Oms I'll put her um Instagram information in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. I'll also put our Instagram um, in the show notes as well. So I hope you guys have an awesome rest of your week.